Good morning. Good morning. And welcome. I'm Roger Perry, the lead pastor here at Christ United Methodist Church. I'm glad that you've come to worship with us today. I've got some uh, announcements I just want to uh, point out to you. You know, as we begin the Advent season, the Christmas season, sometimes if you've lost a loved one recently, it can be very difficult as you face the, the holidays. And uh, we understand that, and we want you to know today there are a couple of things that you might want to take uh, participate in. One is the is the Surviving the Holidays Grief Share uh, event, and that will be from 12.15 to, to 2.15. And then following that, at at 2.30 today, in the, in the uh, uh, chapel area, there will be a, what's a service called the Blue Christmas. And you can see that and read about that in the, in the bulletin. But I'd, I'd highly recommend you, you come to that if you uh, are struggling with the holidays this year. Another reminder is that the uh, newsletter will not be mailed out, but you can pick one up there all around the church, out in the, the Welcome Center, and it talks about all the different Christmas events that are happening. There's also a poster out there about uh, what's called the Eve Before You Leave um, service. And what happens if you're going to be traveling on, New, on Christmas Eve and you won't be able to experience the candlelight Christmas Eve service? Well, on the 14th, which is a Saturday night, there will be what's called a down-home Christmas, and it will be like a Christmas Eve service. It's an eve before you leave. We'll be uh, singing Silent Night at the end of the service and also lighting candles. And so you're welcome to uh, come to that and be a part of that if you would, if you would like. Other things that are listed there, as you can see, uh, we want you to uh, uh, be willing to take a part, uh, take part in, in any of those. There is a fundraiser and a celebration of Christmas over at our Carbon Cliff campus. Some of you may not know that we are a multi-site church. We have campuses in East Moline Silvis and also in Carbon Cliff. We haven't started weekly worship there. We will have a, a Christmas Eve service, and we've had. Christmas Eve service the last uh, two years, and this will be the third year, and right now it has been opened up, that building has been opened up for a community center, and this is a fundraiser for that, and you are uh, encouraged to come to that and, and participate in the, in the uh, uh, chili supper and, and also just the Christmas celebration. Jeff Smallwood will be there, and he will be providing the music. Jeff is a very talented musician, singer. He uh, he, he's, he's known for playing on river boats, so he'll be there to, to uh, perform. Uh, Ed Cox is turning 80. I think Ed was at the, at the last service, but he is inviting all of us to, uh, to his birthday party. You can see that. Some of you uh, may be wondering, uh, what's it like to be a member of Christ Church? And if you are, we will be having on December 15th a starting point class it lasts about two hours. It's an opportunity for me to tell you about what membership at Christ Church is all about, and uh, you certainly are welcome to uh, attend that. Would be good if you could let us know that you're coming. It's not a requirement, but if you uh, if you can let us know, that would be great. If you need child care, you can let us know that as well. Other things listed there, as as you can as you can see, we uh, we are uh, going to be. Uh, celebrating Holy Communion today. And I want you to know, if you're not a member of Christ Church, that's okay. If you are seeking to draw closer to Christ, then you are welcome at His table. It's Jesus who gives you that invitation and not me or, the, or, or Christ Church. So you're welcome to come forward for that. Let's begin our service with a prayer. Lord, as we begin this Christmas season with the season of Advent, I ask that you will be with our worship that it might be one that truly glorifies and honors you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Let's stand and welcome one another. Dennis, I think we're going to light the candles. We're going to... Yeah. 
light the candles at that time. And then I'll introduce the, the two characters. Let us take a moment and light the Advent candle. This is the first Sunday in Advent, and the word Advent means coming. Christmas is coming. God came to us at Christmas. He came to brighten even the darkest corner of our hearts and our world. Today we celebrate hope as we light our first candle. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Come, Lord Jesus. In you, we can put our trust. In you, we can put our hope. Hallelujah. Emmanuel, thank you for being with us and loving us. Amen. You may have noticed on the bulletin cover, it says, Joy to the World, and we always think of that as a Christmas song. This season, we're going to sing one of the four verses each Sunday. And this Sunday, we're actually singing the third verse. No more let sin and sorrows grow. And Roger will be sharing during the message about what, 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 was, uh, what influenced that, that song there. But this is the 300th year anniversary of Joy to the World, is the most popular Christmas carol. So um, we're going to sing just one verse of that, and then we'll get to sing some angel songs. So would you stand? One, two, three, four. <laughs> Yes, yeah. 
At this time, let us prepare our hearts and minds to receive Holy Communion. Lord Jesus, on the night in which you gave yourself up for us, you met with your followers. And at that last meal, you took the bread. And you blessed it, and you broke it, and you gave it to them, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. When the supper was over, you took the cup, and after giving thanks, you said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so now we come together, and as we drink this cup and we eat this bread, we remember once again your great love for coming into this world for us for preaching and teaching for us, and for dying on the cross for our sins. Help us as we come together to know that love and to experience you in new ways. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would those who are going to help serve communion, will you please come forward? table is set. Jesus has extended his invitation. Won't you please come? When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply Longing just to bring something that's of worth that'll bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper. Coming back to the heart of 
Christ, <clears throat> as Christ has given to us, we now have an opportunity to give back to God. So let's pray for the, the offering that we're about to receive. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for how you have given yourself for us in this world. We now give back to you our tithes and offerings. We know that all comes from you, God, and we give back to you uh, our gifts Use them to further your kingdom work and for making you famous in the quad cities and around the world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. by his mother's side Here lay the Savior inside a manger Oh what a glorious night Oh what a glorious night I hear the angels singing Hallelujah let the earth receive her King I know that love has come Glory 
all is calm now, all is quiet, a star shining in the sky. Below in Bethlehem, the king is sleeping, oh, what a glorious night. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for being here. We thank you for coming into the world. We thank you for how you came into the world and for the purposes. And Lord, we thank you for the promise yet to be fulfilled and that's your coming back, your second coming. So now as we live between the two promises, one fulfilled of your coming into this world and the second you coming back. We ask that you, you guide us and you direct us on the path that you have chosen for us that we might see it and be able to boldly go forward. Lord, we also know that you have called to mind those that we need to be praying for. So we lift those names to you now. Lord, we lift up our prayers for these people, for the ones that the names were spoken out loud and also for the ones that were just spoken in our hearts. And I ask that you be with each one, that you answer these prayers in the wisest ways. Hear us now, Lord, as we pray to the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, welcome to the first day of Advent. We're going to be learning about that. Before we do, I just... Uh, uh, several of you have been asking, hey, are you going to be selling those prints of, of the paintings again this year? And says, the answer is yes, they're, uh, they are for sale. There's going to be a bunch of them that are uh, framed that are going to be downstairs next week that uh, if you're interested in one, you can, you can uh, get that. The proceeds will go to the building. Some of you haven't any idea what I'm talking about. Um, I... Uh, like to paint wildlife paintings, and there's a few that I had printed, reprinted for, uh, for sale as a fundraiser for the building. And uh, in the process, Fran Riley got a hold of that story and wanted to do a, a TV uh, spot on that, and, and he did. And he said, I want, you to paint a pa- I want you to be painting a painting. I wanted to have one started. So I started one of a bear. Do you remember that? And after that interview, I put the bear away and didn't go back to it for several months. It's been a busy year. Well, uh, recently I've gone back to painting that thing, and I'm about this close to being done. So if we can get that done, it will also be available in print form for uh, a fundraiser for the new building. Uh, so I, uh, I want us to, to, to look at 
this season called Advent today and recognize that there were prophecies in the Old Testament about the birth of Jesus and also uh, about a new, a new order, a new world when, when uh, um, God would reign. And if we look at the prophet Isaiah, we see many prophecies of Jesus. And the one that I want to look at today is one from Isaiah, the 11th chapter, verses 1 through 10. Now, you can do this out loud if you want, or you can do it in your your heart. But what I want you to do as we read through this, if there is a line that reminds you of Jesus, and you can see where that's a prophecy of Jesus, I would, I would like you to just say Jesus' name. Just say Jesus in your heart, or you can even say it out loud if you want. Uh, don't, don't, uh, don't shout over me. I want to be able to read this. But uh, if, if, you know, if you want to say it out loud, that's just, you're certainly welcome to do that. So here are these words of prophecy. First of all, it talks about Jesse. Can anybody tell me who Jesse is? Ooh, who said that? You get an A for the day, maybe for the week. David's father. And we know from prophecy that from the line of David will become the one who will be seated on the throne forever, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. So it's, it's language to, to look at in terms of from the line of David when it talks about Jesse. There's also... Uh, a lot in here, some, some metaphorical look of, of where a predator animal would, in essence, get along with the animals that that animal would usually eat. And the response there isn't so much about, about animals as it is a, a world of peace and justice and, and uh, in terms of a unity of all getting along. So... See if these words remind you of Jesus. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of might. The Spirit of of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the, the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the, the, the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and to the hearing of his holy word. Let's pray. Lord God, speak to us through your holy word. And I ask that this witness to your word will be faithful. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I don't know why, but I do this ridiculous thing in the morning. And Joy doesn't know why I do this either. Because I usually get upset. Do you know what that would be? I turn on the news. Yeah, some of you, some of you do the same thing. It's like, why do we do that? I mean, it doesn't take long looking at the news today to understand that we live in desperate times. 
In one sense, from the very beginning, all of humanity has always lived in desperate and troubled times. And the troubles we suffer are, unfortunately, many times of our own making. And all too often we cause others much trouble, and this sort of leads to a general unhappiness in the world. It leads to desperate times, troubled times. And in our desperation, we look for a reason to have hope. And without hope, all is gloom and despair. Now, what can we do? Where, where can we look for hope? How about this? You go into, a, library, you go into a, a bookstore and there are shelves and shelves of self-help books. Self-help book. Is that the answer? Self-help books? Uh, how about this? On TV, there are many who want to give you advice. There are advice givers. Is that the answer? How about taking a happy pill? How about this one? Will voting the right person into office solve all your problems? Oh, you know, we've been trying these cures for gener generations, generations. None of them work. Down through centuries, not just generations, centuries, there has been this problem of troubling desperation. Where in the world do you find hope? Where do you find help? Well, today is the first day of Advent. And Advent is a time that includes the four Sundays before Christmas. And while Advent is certainly a time of celebration and anticipation of Christ's birth, I want you to know that it is so much more than that. It's only, it's only a shadow of Advent that the miracle of Christmas can be fully understood and appreciated because there is more to it. In the light of Christmas, this is how we make sense of life. Today, being Advent, is a time, yes, that we recognize what happened at Christmas time with the birth of Jesus. But along with that, we take that fulfilled promise and add on to it a yet-to-be-fulfilled promise of Jesus' second coming into the world. Karl Barth put it this way, and you see this every Advent, or if, you, if you're searching for it, but you, know, you can read this. I think he says it real well. He says, unfulfilled and fulfilled promise are related to each other, as are dawn and sunrise. Both promise... And in fact, the same promise. If anywhere at all, then it is precisely in the light of the coming of Christ that faith has become Advent faith, the expectation of the future revelation. But faith knows for whom and for what it is waiting. It is fulfilled faith because it lays hold on the fulfilled promise. Now, the promise for Israel and the promise for the church and the promise for you and for me is Jesus Christ. He has come into the world and he will come again. The two are tied together. It is the essence of Advent. Some of you are old enough to know about this. And that is having a son grow up and move away from you. That happened with Levi this last uh, summer. He, he grew up, obviously, and he moved far away. He moved out to North Carolina. And this is the first time that Joy and I have been away from Levi as long as from August until now. Now, he's our son, but guess what? He's got a plane ticket to come home for Christmas. Yes. We get to see him. 
and be with him for a while. And so we anticipate his coming. He's our son. We text and phone call. He, 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 we know where he's at. But we're looking forward to his coming for Christmas. And I think Advent is like that. By its very nature, it is a season of hope. It is this hope that leads us from troubled desperation to true hope and joy. And this is a time to celebrate, as Linda was telling you, the, the Isaac Watts hymn, Joy to the World. It's 300 years old this year. And I don't know if you caught it, uh, Linder said it's the most popular Christmas song in America. It actually has been recorded and produced more times than um, Silent Night, Way in the Manger, A Little Town of Bethlehem. This is, this, is, this is the biggie, joy to the world. And in that song, it's kind of interesting because it was not written as a Christmas song. It wasn't written as a Christmas song. It was written by Isaac Watts, who was in essence challenged by his father because he was, uh, Isaac was frustrated that the, all the music and the, the, the lyrics and things that were used in, in worship were directly out of the Old Testament and they were trying to put those Old Testament word for word into music and everybody seemed bored and they didn't seem to know what they were singing anyway or, or talking about. So he did this interesting thing by, by looking into scriptures of the Old Testament and pulling out of it, in essence, a prophecy of Jesus Christ and his second coming. Not Christmas, but his second coming. And today as we look at prophecy, I want us to, to uh, go back to that, that verse that we sang earlier. In the th it's the third verse. And I love this because in most, uh, most uh, uh, denominational hymnals, if you find joy to the world, you won't find the third verse. The third verse takes us back to Genesis where Adam brought sin into the world. And so from that, as he, as he looks at that, he, uh, uh, Isaac Watts writes these words, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Now there are many who in their wisdom thought that that should not be added to their hymnal and hasn't been. But I'm kind of excited that we have that verse uh, because it's an important verse. It lets us know that we live in a broken world, a desperate world, a troubled world. And it's one in which because of Jesus' fulfilled at Christmas time promise and the yet-to-be-fulfilled promise that we can have hope and joy in the desperation. So throughout this Christmas and Advent season, we will be looking at this great hymn and the meaning behind it as we explore the scriptures to see how we can truly be people of hope instead of desperation. Along with that, I want to look at this chapter that we read earlier on the verses 11 through, through 10 from Isaiah, uh, or, or 1 through 10 in uh, chapter 11. And it, it, it's a starting point. There's other starting points, but it's a starting point for hope and healing. Isaiah lived in a troubled world, just like we do. And he saw a decay of the nation of Israel. He saw it. It was happening. The northern kingdom was overrun, overpowered, and taken into captivity. A whole group of people were actually exiled from where they lived and dispersed into a kingdom trying to have them be infiltrated into the new kingdom. This happened in, in 721 B.C., 
That was the northern kingdom. Down in the southern kingdom is where Jerusalem is and where Isaiah was. Um, he was seeing a similar thing happening. There was corruption and, and there was uh, things that were happening that were seeds that were beginning to be planted into a destruction and an exile into the southern kingdom as, as well. And that's when God raised up Isaiah to be a prophet, to warn Judah to put away sin or this would happen. That's what the prophets always did. They'd say, if you, if you don't do this, then this is what's going to happen. And he was, he was uh, pretty adamant about that. Now, King Uzziah was the king of Judah. And he, uh, he was a good king. And he had a very, very long life as king. He had 52 years of reign. Now there were many people who didn't even live 52 years in their whole life. He had 52 years of, of serving as king. So most did not even know life before Hosea was king. And Hosea was, was, like I said, a good king. Uh, had, some, had some faults, but um, it was it was at Hosea's death that God gives Isaiah a vision. Isaiah recognized that the, uh, the people of God there in Judah, around Jerusalem and in that area, were pretty much slumbering under the status quo of having the same things going on and the same king for so long. And he, uh, he, the Lord told Isaiah that when, when he, he was commissioned that they would be dull and they would not want to hear or perceive very easily. But they desperately needed awakening. Joy and I have this dog named Skippy. We've had him forever, literally. And he is now almost blind and uh, can't hear a thing. But he's still pretty active. It's just amazing. Except when he doesn't want to go outside. And he'll do this slow motion thing. Like, oh, it hurts so much to move. And, and uh, to get him up from his comfy little doggy bed, you know, you can't, you can't call to him because he can't hear, or he pretends he can't hear, I guess. And see, so you got to wake him up, you got to shake him. And so when, when you shake him, he go, oh, it must be time to go out. And if he doesn't want to go out, he goes into the slow motion thing. But he needs to be awakened. The people of God in the time of Isaiah needed to be awakened. Now, it was at the death of King Uzziah that this vision came. And Uzziah's son, by the name of Jotham, served for a while. He was generally a good king. But then came Ahaz, who was one of the most wicked kings that Judah had ever seen. And he brought the country almost to ruin. And there was this vision that, that uh, Isaiah was given from God that uh, those who were oppressing, the two co countries that were oppressing Judah under this bad king, that, that uh, they would, because he was giving a message of hope, that that there would be a, a, a woman known to Ahaz who would have a son, and before that son was weaned, both of the kings who oppressed Judah would be dead. And this happens. Now, that was sort of for that time. But because of how God gave Judah prophecy, God had something far bigger than just that time in history. 
God was speaking past a wicked king of Ahaz because Ahaz would never be the king that God wanted. There were no kings of that day that were going to be the kind of king that God wanted. The truth is, God himself would need to come down and become the king. And this only can happen with with, uh, this, this idea of God coming into human form. God himself coming into human form. Now, now we know from the first promise fulfilled at Christmas time that this is exactly what happened. But notice how he came. This Emmanuel, which means God with us, was born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem. He was the perfect king and would make his kingdom perfect as well. Then there would be true peace in Jerusalem. Now you may know about, uh, about history and about what's happening now, that there really isn't not much peace in Jerusalem. Isaiah tells us a little more about the king in Isaiah 9. This coming king would not come down from, hum- from kingly power, but would be born as a child among us. He would be God's gift to us, God himself. And his birth would start the process of a great restoration of of the the, the people of God and of of the, the world. And so Isaiah calls him Wonderful Counselor. His name's going to be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. The government will rest upon his shoulders. It goes on and on. And we live in that hope that when he comes, we will live with him. Those who have this this hope, in essence, purify themselves as a part of the covenant, a part of God's people. Now, we we can live in that hope Jesus says, said, told his disciples, he tells us that the kingdom is already here. The kingdom is in you and is in me. Do you know that? You've got the kingdom in you. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, you look like you've got the kingdom in you. Feels good, doesn't it? The king rules by his Holy Spirit in the lives of his believers. That would be us if we are truly committed to Him. In every way, we need to live the kingdom now in anticipation for what is going to happen. If there shall be peace and justice, then we need to be children of acting out that peace and justice. If love is going to abound, then let us love each other and serve each other. Inasmuch as possible, let us live our faith in anticipation for the coming of the King. See, that's what Advent is about. We already know what happened at Christmas time. But this, this amazing Christmas song that really isn't about Christmas, this joy to the world tells us that there is yet to be a fulfillment of a promise that's going to happen. Why would God fulfill the first part if not the second part? And so we live in between those two promises. Yesterday, I got the word that I was once again elevated to great uncle. Not just uncle, but great uncle. And I'm proud of it. My niece, Reagan, had her second child. And uh, you can imagine my family and texting and everything going on, trying to, trying to get more information. And um, it's a male or female. And she wouldn't tell for a while until the grandparents could get there. And uh, we, we, uh, we had a lot of fun with that. Uh, and it's a baby girl. And this, uh, this baby girl didn't have a name yet. 
because, because Reagan's husband, Corey, was so sure that he was going to have a boy that he wouldn't even entertain any girl names. <laughs> so the poor child didn't get a, uh, didn't get a name right off. Well, my, uh, my nephew, which would be Reagan's brother, is kind of a character. You know, uh, he, I, you, you've heard me explain my family is sort of like the Robertsons of Duck Dynasty without the beards and the money. Well, Russell fits right in that. And so he proclaims through texting that there is some rule that if the, if the baby is not named in 55 minutes, then the uncle gets to name the baby. <laughs> and so the countdown started. And Corey and Reagan didn't come up with a name yet, so Russell, the uncle, declared what the baby's name was going to be. I thought he was probably going to name her Denise. Think about it. But he didn't. He named her Zion. Zion? Well, you got to understand, he's a Perry. Perry's are really into Duke football. You remember what happened last year with, with Zion. He named her after Zion Williamson. Well, if you, follow, if you follow college basketball and Duke basketball, I had one person come up after and said, I'm surprised that he didn't name her Stephen A. Foster, the university that beat, beat Duke here recently. Zion. And of course I know what he was doing. He was naming her after Zion Williamson. But then I started thinking of the name. Zion. What do I know about Zion? Then I remembered from the Bible that Zion was the highest point in Jerusalem. It's the high point. Not only, not only that, It's known as the heavenly kingdom come. Zion literally means the promise. We have a little, little baby in our family. She's been born into the world. We're all excited. But I wonder what she will become the promise of what is to come. That's what Advent is all about. The joy in the world, to the world, is Jesus coming into the world and Jesus, at a future point, the promise of him coming back into the world. This, this should be a part of our witness to the world as, as we call people from all over the earth to repent and to believe in this gospel message of Jesus Christ. The good news is here. And Jesus is coming again. This is what we proclaim at Advent and throughout the year. So as we close this service... I'd like us to pray a prayer. It was written by Renee Swope. I think it's a great prayer to start out Advent with, and, and I just would like to uh, pray. I'd just like to have us all pray. Let us pray. This Advent, Lord, come to the manger of my heart. Fill me with your presence from the very start. As I prepare for the holidays and gifts to be given, Remind me of the gift you gave when you sent your Son from heaven. The first Christmas gift, it was the gift, greatest gift ever. You came as a baby born in a manger. Wrapped like the gifts I find under my tree, waiting to be opened to reveal your love to me. Restore to me the wonder that came with Jesus' birth when he left the riches of heaven and wrapped himself in rags on earth. Emmanuel, God with us, your presence came that night. 
And the angels announced, into your darkness God brings his light. Do not be afraid, they said, the shepherds in the field. Speak to my heart today, Lord, and help me to yield this Christmas. Jesus, come to the manger of my heart. Invade my soul like Bethlehem, bringing peace to every part. Dwell within and around me as I unwrap your presence each day. Keep me close to you, Lord. It is in your wonderful name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and praise our Lord and Savior. someone who needs love, forgiveness, or hope. Point them toward God. 
and let him save them as he is saving you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the people of God, shout it. Amen. Amen. How great.